This is Lance Turner, pastor at Grow Church. We'd like to thank you for joining our podcast. We pray the message today stirs your faith and it causes you to grow. Enjoy the message. I'm glad you're here. Are you glad to be here this morning? Man, I tell you, I'm, I'm so glad to see you as we culminate this fast. I think it's going to be, uh, today's going to be an awesome day. At the end of the service, we're going to pray for people. We're going to believe that this is an atmosphere of healing. How many of you believe in miracles? You believe God's supernatural powers is still at work? If you have a need today, health, whatever it is, in your body, you have a health need. If you have a financial need, you have a relationship need, I don't want you to hesitate this morning when I call at the end of the service for prayer. We're going to believe God for some miracles today. Amen? So I want you to get ready. Begin praying now, and we're going to see God do some amazing things. Amen? Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm all excited. I'm pumped up this morning. First of all, my team is not in the Super Bowl. D-Boy told me to do this. You see what I'm wearing, right? In honor of a 28-3 collapse two years ago, I'll still wear my stuff. It's all right? Still love my Falcons. There's one thing that I know for sure. You guys are going to love this. Those of you that are from New Orleans are going to hate me right now. But I'm going to say it anyway. There's going to be no breeze in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium today. I'm sorry, I just had to do that. That is cold, I know. Well, I'm, I'm just so glad you guys are here. We just finished a series called Be Grow, where we dove into who we are as a church, that we want to not just say we're the church, because how many of you know talk is cheap? God wants us to be the church. And so therefore, we are Grow Church, and so we want to be grow. And we talked about how important it is to dive into the values, the things that we say we value. In, in other words, if we're going to value something, we're going to behave that same way. So here's what we said. We value prayer. We value worship. We value God's Word. We value relationship. We value the next generation. We value stewardship. You follow me this morning? You with me? Because we are grow, we will behave in such a way that people know we're the church of Jesus Christ. And the church of Jesus Christ is not dead, but alive. Come on, somebody, help me. So this morning, we're going to transition into a series called Be Loved. What a great transition. Because if we're going to be the church, we're going to be love. And it's not just we're going to talk about love. We're going to be love. And you'll notice this whole year, it's going to be a whole year of bees. Not Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. That's what I'm talking about that. No, it's going to be a, a year of bees. We have to be something. We can't just have lip service. We want to respond to God in action. Amen. I'm excited about this series. Now, I want to set this up for you. There's, a, there's an opportunity for us to have a greater understanding of what real love, real love is. And I want to revisit this idea that I, a few months ago in our stewardship series, I don't know if you remember, the first sermon I preached about stewardship, I, I had, do you guys remember what I did? I had a pair of sunglasses on, right? And I talked about how we have a distorted view of things because of what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. 
I want to take a, this analogy, but I want to come at it from a different angle, okay? How many of you in here either wear contact lenses or, or glasses of some kind? Look at those hands. Look, look around. If you can see them. So, why did you need those glasses? Something's wrong, right? You can't quite see when you're reading. Or you can't see that sign as you're driving. So there had to be some kind of change in perspective. Or there had to be a correction. Don't they call them corrective lenses? So there's a reason why they call them corrective. Because something's got to be corrected or changed about your perspective, right? So here's what I want to do. Some of you have, maybe you have a wrong perspective of what love is. And you need some corrective lenses. My next question is, where did you get that wrong perspective of what love is? What that's, you, are you, you trying to answer the question? I grew up in a very strict domination. Where going to movies and watching TV was a sin. Alright? Anybody, anybody, anybody grow up like that? And what we decided was, that's too legalistic. Amen? And so, here's how, here's how, this is how human beings do. We, we have a hard time of bringing balance to our lives. So what we did was, we recognized that legalism wasn't good. And we're over here. And so something's got to change. There's got to be a correction, right? But what we, what we do is, instead of coming to the, the balance, what do we do? And so the, the pendulum swings way over here. And now it's, we can watch anything we want to. Now, I want you to understand something. I want, you to make sure, I want to make sure you understand, I'm not advocating legalism. As a matter of fact, this message today is anti-legalism. But I do want you to acknowledge the fact that sometimes we swing the pendulum too far and now because we've bought in to the media, to Hollywood, we have a wrong perspective of what love is. And we, here's, here's, listen to this, we believe a lie. So if my vision is messed up because I've bought into the world system and what they believe about what love is, what has to happen? When I went, I don't, you know, thank God my vision's great. Well, it's getting worse. Let me say that. I wouldn't say great. I'm almost 50, so it's getting worse. You remember, though, the first time you went to the eye doctor, they had to they put you on that little machine, and they decided, what. okay, your vision's this, this, and this. And so here is the prescription to help correct your vision. All right, so we, we bought into the lies of the world system about love. We acknowledge there needs to be some correction. So we need to let the great physician... Bring correction. So what's my source? How am I going to get a different perspective? 
What's going to be the corrective lens for me to understand what real love is? The Word of God. One of our values as a church is we're grounded in the Word. If I want to know what a real picture of love looks like, I'm not looking to Hollywood. I'm looking to God's Word. That's my corrective lens. Amen. So I want to go, I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Anybody know what this word, the name, yes, I just heard somebody say it. What's it called? The love chapter. And Paul gives us a clear picture of love. It's hard for us sometimes to define it because we are so confused about it. But I'm here to tell you, if you'll look and dig into this, you'll have a real clear vision of what real love is. So let's read this together. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not, does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, when I look at those things, and I measure my own behavior against those, whoa, I am in trouble. Can anybody identify with that? I blow it all the time. But here's what you need to get. You need to understand this. The only way it's possible for you to live out this, this idea of real love is through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the only agent of change for you. And isn't it ironic that Paul puts a love chapter in between 1 Corinthians 12 where the, the gifts of the Spirit are manifested there. They're described. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, right? Tongue and interpretation. We love those things, don't we? And boy, we love that feeling that we get when the, when the Holy Spirit shows up and there's a manifestation. But you know what? Paul's saying is, sandwiched in between the manifestation gifts and then in 14, the Holy Spirit working in your life to, to pray in the Spirit, there's this idea of love. And what did Paul say at the very beginning of that chapter 13? He says, if I can do all these things, the manifest gifts, I can speak in tongues with the best of them, I can give words of knowledge, but if I don't have love, guess what I'm doing? I might as well go over there, and how many of you would like it if I went in that, in that drum case over there and just started crashing those cymbals? And, and I had the sound man turn it all the way up. What would y'all do? Most of you would walk out, wouldn't you? So, if I am manifesting the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm talking in tongues all the time, and I'm doing all this, and I'm not showing love, you're going, I'm getting out of here. God wants us to be filled with His Spirit. He wants us walking in the gifts but more than that, he wants us walking in love. And
and I'm reminded of this love. It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't keep record of wrongs. All of those that are listed, the only way I can live those out is if the Holy Spirit is moving inside me. And then it's an outflow. I want you to understand this too. Love, the love that God has for us was centered around his death on the cross. Okay? Our response to that love is so important because I remember who I was before Christ. I remember what I did before Christ. And while you, listen, while you were dead in your trespasses, while you were chasing your own dreams and going your own way and doing your own thing, you know what Christ did? He said, let me show you what real love looks like. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Let's read this together. But God demonstrates. Think about that. What is a demonstration? It's some kind of lesson that somebody wants you to learn. They can, they can put it on a board. They can do a video. But here's how Christ said, let me show you. Let me demonstrate for you what real love looks like by the way I behave. And this love that he's describing here, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. In other words, while you were still going your own way, while you were still enduring your own thing, he died for you. Man, that's good. So this love we're talking about, it's not the same love that we would see in Hollywood. As a matter of fact, anybody know what the original language, the original word for this love he's talking about is? It's agape love. There are three different kinds of love in the Bible. You have phileo love, you have, which is a kind of a brotherly friendship kind of love. You have the, the eros love, that's the, the romantic love, the, lo the kind of love that Christ is talking about. It's the agape love of God. In other words, it's a love of demonstration and action. Praise God. So God commended his love toward us. Let me show you what love looks like. He did it. He went to the cross. His demonstration of love for us is life transformational. So what we need to get is that we need to understand that we're, all we're doing is responding to the love of God. Romans 5.5 5 tells us that the Holy Spirit is responsible for us experiencing the love of God. Let's look at this. And hope does not put us to shame because what? God's love has been poured out into our hearts through who? The Holy Spirit. Now, I got to looking at the, that original idea there of this poured out. It's not just a little sprinkling of love. No, it's a total submersion in the love of God. Which means, I like to say, I want to be baptized in His love. How about that? Lord, fill me from head to toe with Your love. Holy Spirit, fill me. Is that your prayer this morning? That's what I want to see. And when you do that, the outcome will be love is patient. Love is kind. 
We have to understand that our love for God is a response to His love for us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. Look at this. This is how God showed His love among us. You see the word showed? There's another demonstration. What is it? He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live. Have I ever mentioned John 10, 10 in this, in this uh, church before? Can I mention it one more time? Go with me to John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rob you of love by causing you to believe falsely about it. He also wants to destroy your, your relationships. He wants to destroy everything. But look at this. Christ says, I have come that may, they may have life and have it to the full. So let's jump back to first, first John. It says that you would live through Him. So abundant life looks like walking out love the way Christ walked out love. Look at verse 10. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I mentioned earlier that our lean was do your own thing. Our lean is let's fulfill our desires. But that's not what we're talking about here is. My response to God, His love for me, is me obeying Him. Amen? That's where it starts. So let's look some more. First John chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 16. There's so much good stuff in these verses. And so we know and rely. Say rely. If you're relying on something, you're counting on it, aren't you? I rely on the love God has for us. Say this with me. God is love. He's, he doesn't just do love. He doesn't just act love. He is love. It's His nature to love you. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. What's the greatest indicator that God's working on your life? Love. It's a fruit. This is how love is made complete. We've been talking a lot about discipleship lately, right? That's one of our core values. We're discipleship oriented. I love that word complete because it means there's some growth taking place. Does God want you complete in love? Absolutely he does. And so here's what the Bible says. He wants his may complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. So what's the outcome we're looking for from discipleship? Be like Jesus. Complete in Him. Now you notice he said that there's this idea of judgment. Early on in that scripture, in those scriptures, in another translation, you would, you'll see the word, this word propitiation. Anybody ever heard that word? That's a fancy word, right? Really all it means is God 
decided that he would take your sin upon himself and take his wrath upon himself so that you could go free. That's what it means. I thought I'd get a better response than that. I was dead in my trespasses and my sins. I was dead. And God took, it's like me being in a courtroom. I'm standing there, guilty as all. I mean, it's, the, the evidence is overwhelming. I've been convicted, and Jesus stepping up and saying, I'll take the sentence. That's propitiation. That's real love. And so if you're still worried about how God feels about you, you're worried that he's going to get you, you don't understand love. He took care of it. Past, present, future. The Bible says in Hebrews that he took our sins and covered them once and for all. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Oh, hallelujah for that. So if you're fearing judgment, you're not walking in love because you don't understand it. You have a wrong view of love. And so John is clearing this up for us. There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Why? Because it's been taken care of. Because fear has to do with punishment. Remember I said he took your, he took your sins on the cross. Punishment. For your sins been taken care of. Hallelujah. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. You know why? Because you can continue to wallow in the fact that you're a sinner. You begin to continue to wallow in the fact that you've made past mistakes. And you can't get past it. And you think somehow you've got to pay for it. Christ paid for it. Move on. This is my favorite part. Verse 19. Read this with me. We love because he first loved us. Can you identify with that? This verse is our response to God's love. What's my response? He loved me. He proved it on the cross. And now I'm going to return that response. Crystal said it earlier. I'm going to love him back. How do I love him back? I'm going to walk in obedience. But some of you in this room have a wrong view of even that. Here's, here's, here's how it works. Some of you believe that if you'll do enough good stuff, God will love you. You help the little old lady across the street, God will love you more. I got news for you. He can't love you any more than he does already. All right? So... If I think, listen, if I think that my good works or anything I can do can earn more favor with God, I am sorely mistaken and I misunderstand love. And somehow I believe, it's a wrong belief, that I can do something about my own salvation. So my response to God's love is obedience. John 14, 15. Jesus said it plainly. If you love me, keep my commandments. We've gotten it backwards. Our obedience is a response to God's love, not a way to earn God's love. 
That might be something you can write down. Our response to God's love, that's what we need to, to get, is obedience. Not, we're not working or obeying to get God's love. We already have it. We're just, it's just a proof that there's love there. Can I give you a, a pretty good analogy? And those of you that are in my Wednesday night class, you'll get this. I love my wife. My wife's awesome. Y'all can say amen. She puts up with me. I love her. And I know, I've been married to her for 22 years, I know her love language. Anybody ever done love language? How many of you have done it? Let me see your hand. So there's different love languages. The way we respond to love or we like to receive love. One of them is getting gifts. Anybody like that? Anybody, anybody like getting gifts? That's your love language. Some people like words of affirmation. That's one of mine. So, hey, there, there you go, a little insight. Had to slip that in there. Some people like getting hugs. You just like to tell. And that's me too. I like to, I like to hug. No. Some people, their, their love language is acts of service. My wife loves acts of service. She does. So, my week is structured in such a way. Obviously, Sunday is kind of a work day for me. I'm preaching and ministering pretty much all day. And then Monday through Thursday, I'm studying, getting ready, preparing for messages. But those of you know that I go to Starbucks to prepare. That's my marketplace. And I can't wait to tell you stories of what God's already, he's moving in such a way in that one little store on Sixes Road. That's another story. But that, so my day, my mornings are centered around preparing, that being my marketplace, connecting with people at Starbucks, studying, kind of a, a combination of that, getting ready. And then my afternoons are spent one-on-ones with my staff and doing meetings here. And then a lot of times I'm here late in the evening doing, uh, my, I got my group on Wednesday. I got a group I do with young adults. So I'm here in the evenings a lot. But on Friday, hello? Yes. Thank you, Bessie. So my wife, my wife, her love language is the service. So you know what my, most of my Fridays consist of? <laughs> laundry, yes. And so speaking of laundry, some of you guys saw my Instagram post yesterday. Our dryer went out a couple weeks ago. And we went to Lowe's, okay, and bought a new dryer. And we got home, and that sucker started working again. I was, Lori, Lori walked up the steps, and it's like, I'm like, she's like, what? So we go to Lowe's, cancel the order. We did, yeah. And then, guess what? It broke again. So I had to go back to Lowe's. Same old thing again. And so it, we were going to, the first time we were going to get it in a couple of days. Well, I, got, I think I ordered on Tuesday. Well, it won't be here till Sunday. So guess what? Today, 
we get a new dryer. Praise God. And Lori's like, she's on cloud nine, okay? So yesterday, we're at the, we're at the laundromat, and we're, you know, we're folding clothes, and I, you know, I took the picture. Here's my wife, my bride. This is the only thing making this thing bearable. Anybody ever been to a laundromat? Thank God for dryers at home and washing machines. Listen, if you have to go there, I, I'm, I feel so sorry for you. So anyway, Fridays are my clean day, all right? Vacuuming, you know. Why am I doing that? Because I want to earn her love? I love her. Even in the challenging times. This has been a challenging week, to say the least. So those of you, many of you know, Lori has had some health challenges. She went to the doctor on Thursday. The doctor was very concerned about her thyroid. I mean, her heart rate's been like, it's been like she's been doing aerobic exercise 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's, if that gives you a good picture. Anybody ever do aerobic exercise? Your heart rate's 140, 150, 160. Hers has been that way for about two weeks, or longer than that, actually. And so she's lost some weight, been very concerned, been tired. So she goes to the doctor on Thursday, and the doctor says, man, I can't believe you. If, we, if this goes on much longer, you're going to have heart failure. So will you pray for her, please? So anyway, he puts her on some, some really high steroids, thyroid medication. So that's Thursday, okay? Well, our dryer, I've already told you about our dryer. And then last night, praise God, we can live the abundant life despite what we go through, amen? Now, some of you may have that picture of abundant life being never, uh, you know, never short of problems. I'm telling you, you can walk through the, the issues of life, the challenges of life, and still say, I'm walking an abundant life. And that's been really true for my family this week. So yesterday, so remember, Lori went to the doctor on Thursday and thyroid issues, no dryer. Yesterday, heading to Tyler's basketball game up at Riverstone. Light turns yellow, so I'm, I'm like, I don't want to run this. So I stop, and as soon as I stop, pow! Lori and I got hit in the back. Rear-ended Lori's car. Several thousand, probably, I don't know how much it's going to be. It's, I don't think it's going to be total, but you know what? God's still good. So in the, in the middle of your challenges, you can still love God, amen? In the middle of your circumstances. And I realize, I realize a dryer going out compared to somebody going hungry in Africa is not much. Or even a car. It's stuff. Understand this, folks. We're responding to God's love, not earning it. We're not trying to work for it. It's already there. And so you need to get that. So you make this connection. When you're obeying, it's out of love for God, not try to earn His love. I'm almost done. This leads me to my last one. There are times in our lives in this journey that we're on to love God, we, we, we fail. Anybody failed before? Anybody failed recently? Y'all lying? We're going to have to pray for all of you for lying. I've failed since I became a Christian. Okay, let me ask this one more, one more time, okay? Has anybody failed since you were a believer? Thank God for His grace 
Thank God for His mercy. I want to leave you with this last point. The love of God brings restoration when you fail. I will. The love of God brings restoration when we fail. I want to go back to something I mentioned earlier when we were doing communion. You remember the night that Christ was arrested. And he's hanging out with his twelve. And he begins to tell them, guys, the time's come. I'm about to be arrested. I'm about to go to the cross. And every one of you guys are going to run. Peter. Anybody know Peter? Not me, God. I got your back. Oh, can I speak in that language, right? I got your back, God. I'm not going to leave you. And he goes, <laughs> yes, you are. As a matter of fact, before this night's over, you're going to deny me three times. No, 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 no. If I have to, I'll die with you, God. What happened? They come to arrest him. Man, you think about dogs with their tails tucked between their legs. That's what the disciples did. Whoa! And it's just Jesus. And I want you to think about this for a second. Can you imagine the guilt and the shame that Peter was under? After making that bold, I mean, you talk about sticking your foot in your mouth. After that bold proclamation that I won't deny you, what does he do? He denies it. Can you picture this? Can you feel the guilt? Can you feel the shame that he felt? Yes, you can because you failed. But the awesome thing about Christ, despite our failures, he brings restoration. Go with me to John chapter 21. Verse 15. So here we are. After Christ's resurrection. We've already established that Peter's, you, you know he's under a lot of guilt and condemnation. Christ calls him to breakfast. Hey, let's go to Waffle House. Anybody like Waffle House? He calls um, Peter to Waffle House. So let's read this together. John chapter 21, verse 15. How many times did Peter deny Christ? Three times. So I want you to take notice of something. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lamb. Next verse. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? You notice the word love in here? Now, this is cool. It's interesting. This, lo this love's a little different, right? He's still learning. He answered, yes, Lord, I, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Feed and take care. A third time. How many times did Peter deny Christ? 
The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. He's not quite catching it, is he? Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. So in the order that Peter denies Christ, Christ says, let me bring restoration to you. Anybody glad for that this morning? And he, but here's what you need. Here's the other part you got to get. You notice what he did. It wasn't just, let me bring restoration to you. Let me just help you exist. No, there's purpose. No, there's a vision for your life, Peter. I've had it all along. Remember Matthew 16 where I said, Upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus was looking into to, to Peter and seeing purpose and destiny, but he's also seeing his frailty and his humanness. And he says, look, I'm going to restore this because I want to use you mightily. So if you go to the, the book of Acts chapter 2 and you read the account of the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out in, in Jerusalem, who was the main, one of the main characters in that, in that story? Peter. This is after the denial. This is after the betrayal. And here's what, here's what Christ could have been totally justified in doing. Listen, Peter, you blew it. You betrayed me. I don't, have any, I don't want to have anything else to do with you. Get out of my sight. That's not what he did. Why? Because he's a merciful, loving God. And so he said to Peter in, this, in these verses, I'm here to restore your purpose. And you see it lived out in Acts chapter 2. Peter stands before a multitude and says, here's the gospel. And 3,000 people come to Christ. This is the same guy that said, I don't even know this guy. Under the power of the Holy Spirit speaks the truth and people get saved. You know what? Feed my, feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. Christ restored Peter fully. There's hope for you, folks. 